Thank you for joining us. For your encouragement, we've compiled a special message for you today from Pastor Ralph Douglas West, recorded at the Church Without Walls in Houston, Texas. Be encouraged. This is the day the Lord has made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. Thank you, choir, for blessing us and reminding us that we bring our lives to the Lord in the same way as that wonderful, benevolent, beneficent woman did as she brought her best gift to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we gather today and thank God throughout the city and the state the nation, and all of our friends around the globe and our international worship, thank you to our friends and how we have been praying for you, and we thank you for praying for us. Well, we're in this peculiar season of the shortest baseball season in baseball history. And this morning, I want to look at a new rule in baseball the designated hitter. Open the word of God to Galatians chapter 6, and we'll look at two lines of scripture from the writing of the Apostle Paul. One is in verse 2, and then in verse number 5. This text is tailored to tell us something about that there are times when you can't stand under the load of life yourself, God would give you someone to step in just for you. Amen. <laughs> the designated hitter. Now, I'm not familiar with all of these rules, so this, this series of messages has allowed me to catch up with some of the insight behind the rules that's employed by Major League Baseball. I guess one of my favorite now might be the designated hitter. It sounds so much like scriptural text. This is when someone steps in to take a hit for the pitcher. Now, the pitcher, because he's part of the nine-man roster and part of the defense, the designated hitter can't go out into the field, but he can stand in the place for the pitcher. I thought about that, that our lives sometimes model that of the picture, where we need someone to step in for us. This summer, I spent my days reading through 12 of the volumes of the 20th century of great preaching, reading the life and then the preaching methods of different people. And I came across General William Booth, who people made fun of and it was so looking disheveled. But you know him as the founder of Salvation Army. And during that international convention, he was not able to attend this particular year because of sickness. It immobiled him and so he sent his message in a letter with one word, others. His entire ministry and mission had been built for caring and bearing the burden for others. 
it reminded me of that great dialogical exchange between Charlie Brown and Lucy when she looked out on the world and asked the philosophical question of raison d'etre. She said, Charlie, why are we here on earth? And he responded immediately, we're here to make other people happy. That wasn't good enough for Lucy. And so then after reflecting over that response said, well, what are they here for? <laughs> well, if we would ask that question to Galatians 6, that might be an answer to say we're for both. We're here for others, but sometimes we're here for ourselves. When you read through the scriptures, you detect that one of the favorite Christian phrases is one another. You read it. Pray for one another. Love one another appears some 20 times, I believe, in the New Testament alone, along with pray for one another edify one another, prefer one another, care for one another. Those words remind us that the Christian faith is not individualistic, is not privatized. It belongs in the world of the community. And we too have been called then to care, love, share, and our text this morning, to bear the burdens of another. When you look at Galatians chapter 6 and the second verse, there is a command that is given, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. It's a beautiful image when you read it. Well, in this very image is a command and an accommodation behind that command to remind us that there are times when a designated hitter needs to step in and take your place. The scriptures fill with these kind of images of people stepping in and helping us when we cannot help ourselves. You read it on the beginning of the pages, Moses and Aaron, Aaron and Moses, Aaron and Hur, or David and Jonathan, Jonathan and David, and then the accountability of Saul to Samuel and Samuel's responsibility to King Saul or the prophet Nathan to David. Or you come to the New Testament and Jesus begins his ministry and he inaugurates it by calling men that would participate with him and women who would serve him in his ministry. In the tights of life, our Lord will stay in the home of his dear friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And you see this continual view of bearing of one another's burden, standing in for another when you can't stand in for yourself. You see it repeatedly. And you see it in the life of the Apostle Paul. One of the beautiful pictures behind bear one another burdens 
comes when Paul has written a pretty weighted letter to the church at Corinth. And the people there found themselves having difficulty wrapping their arms around the weighty matters that Paul has presented. And in it, he becomes an insomniac. He can't rest. He's restless from the letter. He's anticipating continued negative responsive that the congregation will have. And then when you read in chapter 7, around verses 5 and 6, something beautiful leaps off the pages. That God's comfort comes to Paul and the congregation. Not as a piece of wind that blows from the outside. But God brings comfort and reminder through the companionship and friendship of Titus to the Apostle Paul and the church. That leaps out against many negative and poor thinking of some Christians who believe that they are isolated, privatized, individualized, that they think that they can serve Christ and community alone. Not so. In the Word of God, what we're reminded of is that God gives us friendships and relationships. And so there comes a time where you need to foster relationships with someone that can pray for another, that can bear the burden of another, that can edify another, that can preference another. This word reminds us this morning that there are times when somebody has to step up and stand in and take your place. One of my favorite hymns of the church is, What a Fellowship, What a Joy Divine. The very backstory of that hymn is suggestive that when people find themselves living in the negative, that God would give us somebody to remind us from the word and put it to music. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. I pray, and as I speak to my members, that you would love the reality of what a fellowship. It's evident. It doesn't take you long now for everybody that question who said, I don't have to go to church, in quotes. These last six months have reminded us to change that confessional. I need to be in God's community. God didn't create us to be alone by ourselves. We're here now to bear one another's burdens. But let me say something else beyond that very statement of bearing someone else's burdens. That there comes a time in life where you yourself will have to become your own designated hitter. Where you bear your own burdens. Where no one else can bear your burdens for you. There comes that great moment in life where no one can stand in for you. When you look at the word of God and look at verse number five, it says, bear your own burdens. It sounds contradictory, doesn't it? 
And Paul is probably about to be criticized by people that read this and say, that's the problem with Paul and these preachers. They're always confusing the subject. They're always either redundant or they are just contradictory. No, there's no contradiction here, but there is a contradistinction. Zoom in for just a moment at verse number five. Bear ye one another's burdens. <laughs> Do you see that? Now, zoom closer from verse two to verse five. Bear your own burdens. In verse two, bear ye another's burden. Five, bear your burdens. Paul now uses different words. In verse two, the word that Paul uses for burden is a load that is so heavy that you cannot carry it for long or alone. You can't carry it the distance. It is a picture of a weight that is resting so much on your shoulders. You are not to be Atlas, whom Zeus punished and said, now carry the universe on your shoulders. That's the very opposite of what Paul is saying. Don't get your helpful holy hints from the history and the mythology of the Greek legends that God has not created you like Atlas, that you have to carry your burdens on your shoulders alone. That's the first word he said. It's a burden that's so heavy that you can't carry it by yourself. You need somebody to be a designated hitter for you. But then in verse 5, he says, but there are some burdens that no one can carry for you but yourself. Now this is a different word in the Greek New Testament. This is borrowed from the ship's cargo. It's the image of a pilgrim with a knapsack or a soldier with a backpack. It's like a parent sending their child off to school and putting their backpack with the necessities and they have to carry that load themselves. And they carry it. Now I know who I'm preaching to and I know the different people that listen to me on Sunday. And I know you've been to seminary or you've taken a Bible course and you want to criticize me from extracting these texts from out of the context. So let me let you know that I know what's happening in the surrounding of these verses. But I also know the tense of the verb of verse 5, that this burden shall be laid at the feet of our Lord at the end of life or judgment. I just felt I needed to say that for anybody that felt like you needed to write me a letter to tell me that the text was extracted. But I want to look now at this word alone, that you have to bear your burdens because there are some burdens that are inner. There are some burdens that are outer. There are some burdens that we create and there are some burdens that have been created for us, but they are our burdens. Over the last months, 
our streets have been filled with protests. Social critics, writers, and novelists have tried to address the ugly scar that rips through the very center of the heart of America called racism. On one hand, you have a group of conservative African-Americans who insist on that race has never been a problem and that it has been dismissed and all black people and brown people that talk about race is trying to promote some kind of identity politics. I hope those of you in our fellowship are not that intellectually ridiculous. And then you have others who are part of the conservative Christian movement. I'm not talking about white folk now. I'm talking about African-Americans who feel like they need to justify and defend white interpretation of black life. Let me tell you something. If it wasn't a problem, we wouldn't be talking about it. I am the American heartbreak rock on which freedom stomped its toe. The cruel jest of, of Jamestown made long ago. Langston Hughes reminds us of that, that this is not some accident that we're dealing with. It's a reality, but it's a burden that we have to carry. I wish the Lord hadn't put that kind of burden on us. I wish he had put it on. Well, no, I don't. Nobody should have to live under this kind of burden. To be criminalized, to be marginalized, to be objectivized because of pigmentation. It just shows you really how ridiculous, how sophomoric people are in the world. And yet we still have to march and we have to fight what is supposed to be according to the rule, our inalienable rights. You see what I mean, what Paul says? You have to bear your burden. That's a burden that nobody else can bear for us. When you look through Christian history and we assume that, well, you know, if you're a Christian, you don't have to bear these burdens. You're exempt from burden bearing if you're a Christian. We believe that if you're a famous Christian, you're exempt from burden bearing. You just begin to just go through the pages. And when you look through the pages, you, you, you see people like Charles Haddon Spurgeon who grappled with depression for the majority of his entire ministry or John Wesley who married the widow Molly Vizares and she threatened his life and to destroy his ministry on multiple occasions. Or Phillips Brooks who's better known probably for the hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem who decided early in his ministry that he would remain single and then in the latter part of his life, he lived as he would write alone. Or as Elizabeth Elliot would have to see Jim Elliot be killed on the field of missions to turn around and remarry sometime later to watch her second husband's life melt away by cancer. By a D. Martin Lloyd-Jones whose daddy reminded him, you'll never be nothing and you'll always fail. Or to see an Oswald Chambers 
who died of a curable appendicitis, give his life for the life of others, bearing his burden while bearing somebody else's burden and leaving his wife with an infant that she would struggle to raise on her own just because you're a Christian. Doesn't mean that you are exempt from the burdens of life. They come with it. And yet, what do you do when you step in for another or when you have to step in for yourself and rearrange the rule of the game? Who do you turn to? Well, in Psalm 55, we discover that when you have nobody else to turn to, cast your burdens on the Lord. That's our best response. Place your burdens on the Lord and leave them there. Sometimes the church would gather and we would sing and maybe you've been singing it at home somewhere. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Leave them there, leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. If you trust and never doubt, the Lord will surely bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. My favorite part is when the church catch on and say, I got to respond to that. Leave them there, leave them there. But you and I know it is hard to leave burdens alone. Sometimes you become so attached to your burden, you feel like that you're not complete if you don't have your burden. And yet our Lord says, lay your burden there on that altar and leave it there. Peter would pick up that line from Psalm 55 and 1 Peter 5 and he would tell us to cast our cares on him. Literally. Play catch with God in one direction. Throw it to him and don't let him throw it back to you. Cast your anxiety, your worry, your care on him. And that's the only way that you're able to survive all the challenges and the changes of life's viciousness is to know that I can cast my cares to him and lead by saying these words because I know the Lord cares for me. Burdens come. And I wish I could say that burdens come only once. Sometimes they're like Sisyphus. Well, you roll that burden right to the top. You breathe a sigh of relief that is gone. Only to turn around to see it roll back to the base of the life's mountain. And you have to go back and do it all over again. In my own naivete, I used to believe that if you had one problem, and you survived that problem. That was the problem that was assigned to you in life. You don't have to live much longer to know that problems and burdens and issues and 
anxieties or however you define them are cyclical. But they're also seasonal. Because in some seasons, you bear someone else's burden. In another season, someone else is bearing your burden. And in another season, you have to turn now to Psalm 55 and say, I can't carry their burden and I need help with the burden that I must carry. And when that happens, place your burden on the Lord and know this, that he can carry your burden. How do I know? We still have the 1957 record of Paul Anderson raising, lifting 6,270 pounds. His 360 plus pound frame lifted from those trestles, 6,270 pounds in a back lift. That's a lot of weight. That's a lot of weight. But we have somebody that regardless of what weight needs to be lifted, he's able to lift that weight. That means that he can lift and hold the universe and the galaxy on one hand and you in another hand. That there's no mountain that has been created that is too hard or too much for him to scale. There's no problem too big. There's no world too large, no universe too expansive that our Lord can't hold it. God, we can put our cares on him. And Charles Spurgeon, I mentioned his depression earlier, but at the end of his ministry, the last recorded words in the Metropolitan Tabernacle, he reminded that grand congregation that our Lord was the one that if you come to him, you will find him to be meek and lowly and he can give you rest. He will be the most magnanimous captain. He will be the one that when the cold winds blow, that he will stand on the bleakest side of the mountain. And when you must carry your cross, he will take the heaviest end of it. That's what we need. We need a God that can take the heaviest part of our life. And don't worry, keep on living. That comes a moment. You have a burden that nobody can carry for you and you'll need all the help that God graciously and willingly is ready to give to you to help you in your time of struggle and distress. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I know I'm talking to a lot of people that it's time for you now to ask God to take your burden and carry it. Cast it on him. Throw it on him. Give it to him. I know that it's become a constant companion to you. But let God replace burden with blessing. Let him give you joy beyond your sorrows. Sometimes we have to turn to the hymns. One of the hymns that the church has sung is, Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self 
forgetful way that even when I kneel and pray, my God, my prayer shall be for others. Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. Let self be crucified and slain and buried deep not rise again and may all efforts be in vain unless they be for others. So when my work on earth is done and my new work in heaven begun, May I forget the crown I won while thinking still for others. Yes, others, Lord, yes. Let this be my motto. Help me to live for others. Help me to live for others that I may live like thee, that I might live like thee. How did he live? He's the greatest example of what it means to be a burden bearer. How did he live? He gives the example to us to say, let me show you, I'm your elder brother and when the weight of life is too much for you, my whole ministry has been built upon, I have come for others. To remind us that I am your elder brother. And greater love have no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And so I give you life for your death. I lift the weight off of your shoulders. I paid a debt that you can't pay and a debt that I didn't owe. I paid it all. And how do I do it? On the cross where I gave my life that you might have life. I gave you life in order for you to live, to live a life more abundantly, not some little, small life, not based upon what you have and what you do not have, but a life filled with my presence, a life full of joy. That's why people said, this joy I have. The world didn't give it to me. This joy I have, the world can't take it away from me. If your joy is a job, they can take that. If your joy is money and material, they can take that. And increasingly our culture has become a culture that's intoxicated with capitalism and materialism and militarism and sexism and ageism. And God says, I've come to give you life that you might have it more abundantly. And that's how I want to live. I want to live with life full of abundance, full of joy, full of hope. That there is a God that is able to bear my burdens. But I want to thank him that he's given me the energy to bear your burdens. But then I want to thank him that there have been times where you have borne my burdens. And then I want to thank him for the grace that he's given each of us to carry our own burdens. But when we can't carry our burdens any longer, one assurance we have is that we can turn to Psalm 55:22, and we can cast our burdens on the Lord and leave them there.
Amen. Our Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your promise. And today we are standing on the promises of Christ our King. Bless us now. I know you will bless your word. But bless us now. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information about the Church Without Walls, visit us at churchwithoutwalls.org. To find more great resources and additional messages from Pastor West Ministries, visit ralphdouglaswest.com. Be encouraged.